On May 16, 1929, Douglas Fairbanks, president of the Academy, hosted the first Academy Awards at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel in Los Angeles, California. Wings, which was directed by William Wellman, won the Outstanding Picture Award, while Sunrise, an F.W. Murnau directed film, won the Unique and Artistic Picture Award. Weird name. The following year, the Academy dropped the Unique and Artistic Picture Award, making the Outstanding Picture Award the top prize for the entirety of the Academy's near 100-year-long history. That name has changed a few times if you don't recognize the you know, Outstanding Picture and Unique Artistic Picture Award. That's because the first two ceremonies, it was called the Outstanding Picture from 1930 to 1940. It was called the Academy Award for Outstanding Production, 1941 to 1943. It was called the Academy Award for Outstanding Motion Picture, 1944 to 1961. It was called the Academy Award for Best Motion Picture. And 1962 to now, it is called the Academy Award for Best Picture. That's what we know it today. Wings is essentially the first ever Best Picture winner. That's why we chose it for the 11th episode of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. Honor is a Gary. My man, Wings was shot right here in San Antonio at Kelly Field. That so is fucking amazing. cool. So fucking cool. The, the first movie to you know win the first Best Picture. Uh, it's a silent film about two men who are in love with the same woman, essentially. And uh, they become fighter pilots uh, during World War I. Uh, intense film that uh, on rewatch, you know, I had a blast with, to be honest. The music is unbelievable. Uh, this movie's awesome and lost up until the 90s. Uh, Connor, what did you think of this movie on your first watch? I was blown away. I, uh, I didn't expect much. I'm not going to lie. I figured, you know, early Hollywood, they're still getting the kinks out of film. They're still kind of wondering, like, what do we want this artistic medium to be? But William Wellman knew exactly what he wanted this film to be. He had a vision and he saw it through. And this film still holds up today. I was, I was laughing. I was crying. I got really into this movie. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, no kidding. It, it, it just kind of pulls you around and you don't expect that, you know, as uh, here we are, two 25-year-old dudes talking about movies. And this movie is, <laughs> you know, from 1927, it, you know, it's a, a silent film. But I, I just, like you said, I connected with it. It resonated with me and uh, crying, laughing for sure. And just admiring the the pure dedication here uh, at this stage in, in film. Uh, the first Academy Awards, man, what a treat to talk about, uh, you know, the first ever, uh, you know, these awards that we care so much about have this weird relationship with where we love them, but disagree with them so often. Uh, but it's, it's just so special for me and you to kind of go down that road and look at these movies. Um, you know, Seventh Heaven was a big deal at this, this ceremony, uh, Sunrise. Those are movies we're gonna try to do in the future. Uh, but Wings, we felt like, you know, because it won kind of the best picture, it was the one to talk about. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was your, it was your first time. I, I bought it on DVD like a little over a year ago, just found it online. Cause I, I want to own all of the best picture winners. Why not? It's going to be hard to uh, pay for crash and driving Miss Daisy, but <laughs> that's all right. I'll do that at some point when I find it for cheap. <laughs> You'll get them as a gift someday. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. 
but but uh wings i'm really glad i bought it uh man i just have you been on the wikipedia page for the first academy awards yeah okay so in the top right corner you know how it how it has the pictures i i just kind of got lost in that picture there it's it, it's amazing you know i encourage listeners to you know do their own research here because this is uh, i mean it's 1929 you know this is almost a hundred years ago yeah we're, we're talking about this this ceremony lasted for about 15 minutes the actual ceremony because the winners were announced to like you know weeks before you know so people could pay five dollars to fucking get into this show and be there for 15 minutes and see these you know see these hollywood people and <laughs> And that's just, that's just incredible to me, but I feel like you and I would have paid that $5. What do you think? I would have paid that $5 in a heartbeat. <laughs> of course, you know, in 1929, I would have had to, you know, scrape up my newspaper, like, pay, you know, paper out when it, like money or, you know, sold the farm or some shit to get that $5, <laughs> but it would have been worth it. <laughs> oh man. So good. I, I, I wish I could encourage listeners to, to go like, to go watch Wings but I personally don't know. Is it on Prime to rent or? It is available to rent on Prime and Vudu for two ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. I, I really do. I kind of, I kind of think this one's important, not just because it's the first winner ever. It's, it's a good movie and it's so ahead of its time. Yeah. Some of the, some of the latter scenes here, you know, it's, it's a, it's a little over two hours. It's a, it's a meaty movie and, you know, for a silent film and, towards the end it you know it gets really fucking intense man and i i just i think people who love movies would really enjoy this one I don't, i'm not saying that about all the you know movies that won from the 20s and 30s but this one is special it certainly is it's uh i think the performances are out of this world i think the character development is insane you're getting to see this guy jack go from kind of a goofy you know womanizer like you know playboy to a hardened you know, soldier who killed his best friend. I mean, holy shit, man. That is a hell of a turn in two and a half hours. That is, whew. very few movies today have the kind of emotional journey that this film takes you on. Okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's very special. Yeah. Yeah, so, Not, so you know, uh, with that, go, I think that- Yeah, the, go uh, ahead, go ahead. The technical side of things too. The um, The aircraft battles in this, the aerial battles are like, those aren't sets. Those are airplanes in the sky. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the, you know, right here we're recording. We've recorded, you know, damn near every episode of, you know, Filmgasm and Oscar Sunday right here in San Antonio. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, very cool city. Lots of culture here. And I, I'm proud to be from here. And this movie being filmed here, like, it's just fucking cool. I, I, you know, as like little, you know, the little kid in me was like looking up in the sky thinking about, Hey, like, I wish I could go to Kelly field right now and go, <laughs> go see where wings, where wings is shot. So fascinating. I, I love when, you know, the city you're in is like a part of something culturally like this. Yeah, for sure. I honestly, I didn't know that till just now. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah, fucking cool, dude. I, yeah, that was something I read. I didn't know that. The first time I watched this, I, I didn't know that. And the first time I watched it, I'll be honest, uh, again, about a year ago, I was confused at how to feel about it. I didn't know how to rank it up next to something else because it's a silent film. And the second time around, it just kind of, I don't know, it kind of broke me down. It kind of said, get rid of that. Get rid of that that thinking style. You know, a, a film can do a film can do whatever it needs to do to 
to kind of affect you and, and move you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I was, um, I talked about this in our great dictator episode. I was, you know, I've been a Chaplin fan my whole life. Yes. The silent film has just been another medium for me. It's never been something I had to like overcome or kind of put aside. So I went in just thinking like, this is going to be a good movie. And that's how I've always kind of approached silent film. It's just, you know, just another, it's like a black and white movie and a, and a color movie, a silent movie. It's all just movies to me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have had to do some growing up in that regard. I, I've never felt that way about, um, you know, like you said, black and white or, or whatever, but definitely silent films has definitely been a hump that I've had to kind of get over. Like kind of, you know, sometimes you got to like squash your own ego and <laughs> uh, when it comes to just like accepting certain art, like I, I definitely felt a certain way at age, what is it? At, uh, age 16, I was when the artist came out. Uh, and I saw that and I was like, I don't know how to feel about this one. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I don't know how, if I like loved it or I'm really, really keen on doing that film uh, here on this podcast one day. Yeah. Uh, because I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, and, that, you know, I, I wanted to bring up here, this is our 11th episode. Uh, so we've covered every decade now here after Wings, every decade that's been a part of the Oscars, right? Yeah. So we so we did the we did the '90s to start with uh, Pulp Fiction, and then we had that kind of wild card uh, Defy Bloods episode, uh, where we we both felt like Spike Lee is so important to to film in general that we should just talk about that one because let's be honest, Delroy Lindo has that shit in the bag as of right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know I know we have a lot more coming hopefully <laughs> through through streaming and whatnot, but um yeah I think Delroy Lindo was incredible in that. Third episode, we did Rocky uh, from the 70s. Fourth episode was In the Bedroom, I believe, yes? Yeah. And that's, that's uh, 2001. And the fifth episode, remind me, Connor, would have been Great Dictator? Um, did we do Great Dictator before or after? That was, yeah, Great Dictator, yes. And then Dr. Strangelove? Then it was Dr. Strangelove, yes. And then It Happened One Night? Yes. And then Whiplash? Yes. And then Dead Poets Society? Yes. And then... Then it was on the waterfront. That was last week. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Just last week, the 50s. And here we are now. Here we are now in the 20s. So we've, we've covered every decade. And what we're going to do is just fucking do that shit again with different kinds of movies. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you guys what we're doing next week at the end of the episode, but it will definitely be a 90s film. Yes. So that's, that's that we're going to recycle that, uh, that kind of that wave. So we'll be jumping all over the decades again, but uh, you have no idea what movie it's going to be within that decade. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, such a treat to be right at the beginning of where the Oscars started. Connor, I want to ask you yeah. kind of like a more, kind of a more personal thing here with the Oscars. Okay. When, when, when you're doing this, when you're kind of on whatever it may be, IMDb or Wikipedia, and you're kind of, you know, researching the Oscars, looking at the winners and, Oh shit, this guy was up for that. I didn't know that. You know, there's random stuff that you miss. Is that is that like homework to you or is that just fun? It's fun. Absolutely. This is the most entertaining like side of my life is exploring new films and talking about them and getting to, you know, put myself in that uh that seat where like I don't know anything about this. You know, I'm a roast. Based me. Like this is going to be fun. It's yeah, 100%. But also in a way it is kind of homework as well. 
because now, you know, I have that knowledge. So now I'm going to use that and, you know, apply it to the show or apply it to a review. It's, it's just, you know, it's just who I am at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely resonate with that. You, you find yourself, you know, movie fans all alike find themselves just kind of in awe of, you know, the, the simple things about, you know, you know, the actors and the directors, you know, the, the individual people, the individuality of this, this kind of, this, this medium is like, I can become obsessed with David Lynch, but not level all of David Lynch's work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can, you kind of just, they're your friend uh, as, as, Lame as that may sound, you know, you, you just become enlightened by, you know, people's work. And that's why you get disappointed if they do something off screen that bothers you, you know, and you're, you you want to root for them. You, and these are people. They're not just this idea. Uh, so, yeah, when I'm, man, it is, it is all fucking fun to me. All this stuff is like, just, it's, yeah, it's just second nature. It's just like, I, it's just what I'm going to do with my spare time, you know, while I'm here on earth like this is for me you know I, I love music and i love sports and there's there's plenty of things that i you know tv's cool and I, I get a lot of joy out of other things but movies is like essential i can't i can't lose that i you know so i, I know that i know not going to the theater has obviously affected just kind of our you know our hobbies and our, our you know kind of weekend life uh and so that's that sucks but what I do want to say is being the age we are, uh, you know, in our mid twenties and, and the time we're in here with all these streaming services and the ability to rent things for two ninety nine and watch all these films, I, I could not be more grateful for all this stuff that's at, you know, right here at, in my hands. Yeah. Uh, something like wings, like you said, <laughs> wasn't able, you know, it took like 70 years for it to come back to life. Uh, in the nineties where people were able to watch it again. And now I have it on DVD, that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, th this stuff is super important to us. And I know if you're listening, it probably is really important to you. And, uh, you know, I, I just encourage people to always keep their eyes open for, for art, man. Um, it is it, movie is movies are, you know, obviously the most important thing to you and I, Connor. Yeah. It's the most, most important medium. And, and we just, we just have fun with it here. It's not really, about being right or wrong or it's, it's just having fun with it. You know, we know the Oscars have their problems. <laughs> we know the, we know the Academy has had issues where they've completely neglected movies, you know, entirely. We, we know this, we're not stupid, but this show is for fun and to have fun with the movies that have been nominated uh, and the ones that we like. So I, I just think it's been really, I think it's been really, really fun and it's really exciting to see what we can do moving forward. I've said it in in a past episode. I don't remember where I when I said it, but that nomination, regardless of what it's for, that puts this film above other films. It puts yeah. this film in a completely new world of Oscar nominated films. And that means something. It you know, it triggers an emotional response in film fans who are like, oh, Academy Award nominated movie. I need to see that. I want, you know, maybe it's gotta be good. And yeah. it's not always good, but it's still a part of that story. And yeah. Yeah, need, yeah. yeah, that's what we're doing here on this show is reading that story. And it's a very long story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, like I said, it's almost 100 years. And, yeah. and, and I, I love you point out that it definitely 
whether it triggers something positive or not, that nomination, you might hate the Oscars and be like, that's dumb. You still acknowledged it. You know, it's like yeah. any, any, any press is good press kind of thing. Like you still acknowledge it. It's still there. And it's, it's written in stone. And so I, I just, I, I love history and I know you do too. And statistics are a big part of, you know, sports and I love sports. So when it, when it comes to this kind of stuff and, awarding things yeah i don't think you can really say one piece of art is better than the other but you know we covered a movie in whiplash here where you know he says oh oh you know his cousin's like oh there, can you really have a winner in like a music contest and he's like fuck yeah you can you know because 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 you know it's about being precise and it's about being on point about doing things correctly and executing and so movies can certainly be better than others you know what i mean yeah they can they can certainly be trying more things and i i love i love the the term like oh that's you know oscar bait or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah because those are typically movies that were just like eh, not really you know uh to me the modern oscar you know especially from last year those nominations i i liked all the best picture nominations from last year so i, I think it's moving in a hopefully good dire- direction yeah for sure it's a you know it's a an academy's constantly evolving um, they're always trying to be uh, a little bit more um, kind of like prescient, like kind of, you know, figure out like what are film fans going to care about next year? Like what, what can we do to be in front of that? And they're trying, they are trying, God knows they're trying, especially after green book, like they needed to save face after that. So I think, you know, giving parasite top honors, huge leap forward for, foreign film and for the Oscars in general, I think more people reacted to that. Cause I think, you know, Parasite was not only very um, critically successful, but it was a huge hit financially as well. So, you know, people all over the world saw that movie. So to see that win, everyone cared about that. Everyone was excited about that. Yeah. So maybe next year, well, God knows what the hell's going to happen now with the virus, but in a, you know, in, the, in a regular turn of events, it probably would have you know, embraced film like that, you know, film even further. And, you know, people like us just get to see where it goes. And that's cool. I mean, we're not really doing anything more than observing here. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's it. It's not, again, yeah, no one's opinion is right or wrong or more important. It's just, it's just interesting to talk about to me because we, because it's movies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I love that you bring up Parasite because uh, that that's a movie that you know we both can personally say before all of the Oscar buzz and before all of that shit, before winning all that stuff and just kind of blowing our minds on that fateful night in February. I I called you after I saw it in November. I called you and I told you this is the best movie of the year, man. Like I'm telling you, there's something about it. I, we knew and you were like okay okay all right, all right then you saw it and you saw it like a month later you saw it and then we did a we i think in january we officially did a podcast on it for for our uh for filmgasm um uh, and we certainly want to bring that movie over here right at some point yeah. and that's amazing that's amazing that a korean film can be a part of this show where we've talked about you know pulp fiction and rocky and you know great dictator and these different movies and it's gonna be great to add something like that to the mix it's great it's fantastic yeah it's awesome it's just getting to be you know 
filmgasm, you get to embrace, we get to look at all these, you know, horror films and genre films that just kind of were either left behind or never really, you know, fully appreciated in our eyes. Some of them are obviously, you know, classics, but that's more of this, you know, the films that were cast aside, I think for me, like, you know, genre films typically, especially by the Academy are often ignored. Yeah. Even, even if the, okay. Yeah. Let's, you know, we'll, we'll kind of marry filmgasm and, uh, Oscar Sunday here talk about you know like you bring up horror being kind of disregarded by the Academy for sure and even when you look at uh, something like Silence of Lambs and people people are so desperate movie fans uh, not like us of course are so so desperate to call it like a thriller drama they're so desperate to not attach horror to Silence of Lambs to an Oscar winning movie they don't want to. They don't want to do this. They want to believe that horror is this genre that's just as valid and has just as much as good stuff to offer as any other genre. They don't want to accept it. They don't want to do this. I don't know why there's this stupid stigma around it. But forever, you know, even you know, Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, these movies that have been recognized by the Academy, it's still just like it's fucking peanuts. You know, it's it's not it's not enough. Get out. Uh, yeah, sure, but you, if you didn't nominate it, then you would have been in very, very big trouble. So I'm just not that impressed by that nomination. Um, I, you, you know what I'm saying? I love Get Out, love it to death. An- another one we touched on on Filmgasm. It's one of the best horror movies of the past decade to me. But, but the Academy nominating it is like, yeah, you should have done that shit because it's a good fucking movie. Now nominate movies like Hereditary that deserve it too. Yeah. Uh, um, that that's what's frustrating for horror fans, and so so we definitely want to bring that perspective in because that's our heart, you know. That's our yeah. That's what that's what started filmgasm, right? Is you know we want to speak about these movies that get neglected by half the film community. You know, yeah. it's 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 this part of film that only gets touched by a certain you know part of the audience, and it's it's frustrating. And then over here, we embrace the rest of them. We embrace the films that have been recognized and we kind of almost oh, dissect yeah. them to kind of find out why that's that's what i wanted to do with this show was why are these films nominated why are we still talking about them decades later yeah and a, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about our, our show is based around dead poet society of 1989 we definitely questioned why the fuck driving this daisy was even mentioned when they were in the room like all right guys we're going to talk about the movies that should be up for best picture. Who in there was like, Oh, driving Miss Daisy, you know, kick that guy out, you know, kick that guy out. That sort of thing. We feel that we feel this way. We're going to call it out. We're going to call it like it is how we feel. And uh, you, usually we feel similar about the history of the Oscars, but there's, there's definitely some differences. Uh, uh, but yeah, driving Miss Daisy, we definitely were, we were uh, in agreement that that was just bullshit. Like we'll get there one day, but like I, for one, I loved Green Book. I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious, and I know you did not like that movie. Yeah, I have a hard time. I have a hard time with that one. You know, if I'm if I'm telling someone, uh, you know, say you hadn't seen Green Book, I would be like, well, it's uh, not the best, but it's got two really good performances, so I think you'll like it. And I would say that to pretty much any big movie fan, you know, I, I, you know, the story, whatever, it's not for me. I don't really, but man, you know, Ollie and Mortensen are really doing some cool stuff there back and forth. So, um, yeah, you know, t- 
take, take, take it or leave it. I just, yeah, I just don't feel too strongly about that. I, I may, my, my main thing is the other movies like that, that lost. <laughs> Fair enough. I, 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 uh, I liked a lot of those, you know, um, you know, Roma and the favorite and vice stars born. I first man, even that, you know, like movies that didn't even get, you know, get much love at all. I, I felt much stronger about those than green book or, you know, and Bohemian Rhapsody is even worse. So Rami Malek winning that is, is probably even worse. So, yeah. We're, we've got a 2018 film scheduled in the next couple months where we'll be able to unload all of our shit about that Oscars. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I really, you know, I saw green book in theaters by myself because I'm like, all right, I love these guys, you know, and okay. Fairly, you know, fair uh, dumb and dumber is my fucking shit. You know, that's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Should probably stay more in that range rather than the like real serious trying to say something about the uh, the uh, racial issues in our country. <laughs> There's so much I want to say, but I'm gonna save it for when we do that 2018 that's, movie. In a yeah, few that's that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But our point is, I don't I don't remember what our point was, but <laughs> it's, we have fun. The, the, the point is it's divisive and it's fun as hell. And, you know, you can pick out any year and fucking talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and especially here, because most years, uh, like next week, you know, I'm, we're not going to say what it is yet, but we'll, we'll be able to talk about, you know, a lot of the films that were there, you know what I'm saying? So uh, when we can do this, you, you can kind of be like, ah, I have a question about that one because I've seen all these and I, I, I don't think that that one had much to say. Uh, we will say to, that compared to these other ones next week's film was only nominated for a single oscar and it was a technical award so yeah, it's sneaking in there by just the slightest margin but it's a film we think should have been up for a shit ton more and that that is the criteria as of right now you need at least one nomination uh to be on the show yes. uh maybe maybe later down the line we'll do movies that we feel like got completely neglected and you know just snubbed outright yeah, uh, that'd be fun. But yeah, for now, we're going to try to do ones that got at least at least a nomination. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. And uh, with Wings, I urge listeners out there who have discounted silent film or discounted black and white film because they're, you know, quote unquote, old or boring. Cut that shit out. Grow up. Put your, put your fucking walls down. Put your fucking walls. It's it's fucking 2020 is weird as hell. All this shit, we don't know what's going on. Try a 20s movie. Fuck yeah. it. You know, like, who cares? You can't just discount half a century worth of film because it's black and white. <laughs> I just. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, you can't. <sighs> <laughs> Rant over. So, Wings up for only two Oscars at the beginning of the awards. There were, uh, the, uh, the awards looked very different than the way they look now. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. Here are the categories. Outstanding Picture, Best Unique and Artistic Picture, Best Directing for a Comedy Picture, Best Directing for a Dramatic Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Writing, Original Story, Best Writing Adaptation, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Engineering Effects, and Best Title Writing. There was no Supporting Actor category. There was no Sound category because that wasn't a thing yet <laughs> sound film did not exist <laughs> and oh it's amazing to see how far they've come and uh wings was up for outstanding picture 
and best engineering effects, which would, you know, evolve into best visual effects. And uh, yeah, it fucking earned both of those. Yeah, yeah, no joke, man. I mean, the engineering effects, like this is like hands down, the definition right here, wings. Now, now I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. When I see these technical awards, stuff like this, I'm going to think of this movie. Yeah. As, as this kind of template, like, whoa, this thing was way ahead of its time. If you like that stuff, you should fucking watch this movie. If you like war movies, you have to see Wings. There was a scene in this movie that I could tell influenced a very dramatic scene in 1917. And... Yes. Yes. Yeah, this film set set the stage for, like, every war film that came after it. And that is pretty much every war film ever made. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Again, 1927. 1927. We're talking about 93 years of, of, of movies coming after this one. Good Lord. How, I mean, how many, how many war movies, like how many war movies have you just seen? Not let alone have come out, you know, in the past. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a huge genre. Yeah. Crazy. I personally think Charles Rogers should have been up for best actor. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. As Jack Powell, Uh, best actor that year went to Emil Jennings for The Last Command and The Way of All Flesh. Emil Jennings would later join the Nazi regime. And, um, well, things didn't work out. So the first guy to ever win best actor was a straight-up Nazi. Just, you know, put that in your back pocket for trivia. Yeah, and you... You, if you heard Connor say two movies, that is correct because the Oscars would do that shit where there weren't enough movies, I guess, or whatever. So they they've got a guy for two movies. Well, and also back then, like in the film community, like under you know MGM's umbrella, there were only like fifteen actors. Like this exactly. was just starting out. This was not a very big pool of people to choose from. So they exactly. picked actors who had multiple films come out, which was pretty much everybody. And uh, yeah, Best Actress went to Janet Gaynor for Seventh Heaven, Street Angel, and Sunrise. Three films she won for. <laughs> Baller. The, uh, the films Wings defeated for Outstanding Picture were The Racket and Seventh Heaven. And originally, also, uh, Charlie Chaplin's The Circus, which was yes. nominated for four Oscars, but was then uh, pulled out of con- con- contention because they just wanted to give Charlie Chaplin a special award for even being filmmaker because <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah prowess so wikipedia says that the circus was up for best picture and it technically was for a little while but by the time the awards happened that was not the case and uh, that's a hilarious movie by the way check out the circus yeah charlie <laughs> charlie chaplin and check out our uh episode four in great dictator that was a lot of fun or episode five <laughs> we're getting to we're, yeah I mean, we're almost to 100 on Filmgasm, so there's no way in hell we're going to be able to remember episode numbers. Uh, we're getting there. Dude, on, yeah. On Oscar dude, Sunday. yeah. Yeah, my, my, my mind is yeah, completely fried when it comes to remembering which, which <laughs> episode is which. The Academy was created by Louis B. Mayer, one of the founders of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, also known as MGM Studios, still around today. Louis B. Mayer, as we established in our... Filmgasm episode on the career of Judy Garland. Yes. A piece of shit. <laughs> and a horrible human being who basically created the Oscars so he could throw filmmakers a bone 
and have them work towards something. The, uh, he wanted to unite the five branches of the film industry, actors, directors, producers, technicians, and writers, which is a cool concept. But his reasoning behind it was, quote, I found that the best way to handle filmmakers was to hang medals all over them. If I got them cups and awards, they'd kill them to produce what I wanted. That's why the Academy Award was created. And it was not yet called the Oscar. That didn't happen for a, for a while. That was a nickname. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, that's, that's the idea. The idea is, okay, well, let's put this statue in the middle of all these people and see who makes the best thing and whoever makes the best thing can get that thing. So yeah, on paper it's like okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this guy is batshit crazy. Well, and I like that he wanted to bring together all aspects of the film industry. It wasn't just yeah. you know, an yeah. acting award or a writing award. It was everything. Every aspect mm-hmm. of filmmaking got a got a say here, except for stuntmen, and we're still working on that. But I, I just I love that it was embraced and. Yeah, I agree with Louis in some capacity that if you give, you know, the promise of a trophy, people are going to try a little harder. That's just how, you know, people function. Well, it's, yeah, it, it really is. You know, there's, there's guys that we adore that have been so wicked excited to go on stage and get that gold. Yeah. Because, because they know, you know, we know as we're watching, like when Bong, when Bong Joon-ho is holding that and he's smiling so big, it's because he knows forever now when he's gone a hundred years from now, there's going to be kids that are looking and it, his name is going to be, it's going to say Bong Joon-ho winner next to nominee Quentin Tarantino. He's going to beat these guys, beat those guys. Who Bong Joon-ho, you know, and then, you know, that gives someone incentive to watch his stuff and to kind of dive into his filmography. So that that's why this stuff is important. Yeah. The mo the, the motives, yeah, man. I mean, the motives for a lot of stuff is is kind of fucked up and greedy, and ultimately for money. But but man, you you really have seen some guys, uh, especially for for us, you know, in, in modern times, you you really have seen guys get competitive. Uh, one of one of my favorite things is in two thousand seven, you have the the release of uh, you know There Will Be Blood and uh, No Country for Old Men, which were both filmed in Texas. And you have these, these guys, Coens and Paul Thomas Anderson, that are kind of like, you know, they're not liking each other because you can, they're kind of messing with each other's, each other's sets while these movies are happening. And they kind of battle it out at the Oscars. That's really cool. That's, that's special. And it doesn't happen all the time, but there are years where there's actually like this race happening. And you can feel it. You could feel it last year. You could feel it between Parasite Once Upon a Time in 1917. You could feel it. And it, it was awesome. It, as a movie fan, when you like all of those and you see them all in theaters, you're just, you, you're having fun with it. That's all I can say. Yeah, I've said it for years. The Oscars, it's my Super Bowl. I look forward to that more than anything. Yes. Like, yes. Of the year. I look forward to that more than my own birthday. Like, it's the, it's the coolest, like, thing to happen at the beginning of the year. and. I'll always love it and I'll always, you know, tune in and I hope more people tune in because the numbers have been dwindling and they're thinking about possibly not doing it as a, as a show anymore. And I hope to God that never happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you and I, uh, you, you, myself, uh, for this past Oscars, uh, your, your mother, your grandparents, my brother, my girlfriend, 
my brother's wife, we all were watching them and wrote down our, what we thought was going to happen and our predictions. And it, it was like, you know, that, yeah, that's like you said, Super Bowl. There's only, that's the way to compare it. Uh, and I, I feel so strongly about those moments happening when I'm like, this is shit I'm going to read forever on the internet. Cause I know, I, I know myself, I've, I've already looked over that, you know, the winners of 2019, you know, over and over. I've already done it over and over on Wikipedia and IMDb. And it just becomes a part of your life, you know? It's so special. Now, I, I did want to say, you pointed out that, like, we don't really know where the Oscars are going. And uh, our second episode was Defy Bloods. And so people might might be wondering, like, what's going to happen on those episodes? We typically will do something, like, foreign on that episode. Uh, so like the next time it will be, you know, something random, uh, like it could always be something like Parasite, you know, uh, a movie that made some noise at the Oscars. And obviously that's the big one that has just changed everything. The first foreign language, uh, foreign language film, uh, winner. So just really cool. And I, I'm worried obviously about what's going to happen this, you know, this winter when the awards are supposed to happen. Uh, cause yeah, I'm like you, I don't want to lose the actual ceremony. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. It's, it's a very, you know, as a movie fan, it's, it means a lot. It, you know, it's not perfect, but it, it's significant. Yeah. It's three, it's three hours of honoring actors and directors and movies. So yeah, like I'm going to tune in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I hope everything works out. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I don't, I, we don't have any answers. No one really does it. I would hope that they just, just be positive, be as positive as you can do some kind of show. Uh, whenever it doesn't matter, do some kind of show and talk about the movies, you know, maybe shed some light on some movies that people didn't really get to see or didn't, you know, not a lot of people saw them, you know, do them, go forward, move forward. And hopefully next year, you can have some more normalcy, but I, I just really hope they move forward because if they just like, if they drop the ball this year, then that just adds to the, you know, to the fact that they might just drop the ceremony altogether, which is, yeah, it's a little, a little saddening. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, there are going to be some films released on streaming in the next few months that we will try to do on this show stuff that sounds promising. And uh, cause we intended in the, you know, in the initial release of this series to be kind of a, a look at the Oscars past, but also a look at the Oscars future and kind of determine what films we think might be considered for next year's ceremony. And we're going to try to do that as much as we can with the films that do get released, but we can't promise anything. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you have to pay 20 bucks to see, you know, when it came out, you to see like Kelly Reichardt's film first cow, which I know a lot of writers love and I'll eventually watch, but, I don't have that at, at any given moment, just $20 to shell out for yeah. a movie. I'm not a movie. I'm not 100% on. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's a tough spot to be in, you know, for, especially for a podcast here where we're doing everything out of pocket and trying to create content uh, each week. Uh, obviously that's why we're doing as many old films as we possibly can. But like you said, it, we, we will try to do uh, the current ones uh, like Spike Lee. Spike Lee is such a special guy. Uh, I, I, w- I would assume that if, uh, you know, Wes Anderson's film comes out, French Dispatch, which I've heard a lot of noise that he may make a deal with, with somebody, uh, we, we would probably cover that one. Um, a guy who's been nominated a few times, you know, so 
yeah, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to do those and hopefully next year do even more. Yeah. On September 16th, we have, uh, this crime drama, the devil all the time premiering on Netflix. That certainly looks promising. Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland, Harry Melling. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård. That, that is something we will, will like, we'll think about possibly putting on this show and, uh, predicting. So, you, yeah. you know, we never know. It's, the pickings aren't as, you know, as plentiful as they were last year. This time we have to, you know, look around for the, for the good fruit. <sighs> bummer. But <laughs> that's, it's, yeah. it's a bummer, man. We don't have to worry about that today. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, we just keep moving, you know, and, and movie fans out there, you know, just keep using the time to dive into old stuff and watch watch stuff that you haven't had time for before you know that's definitely what we've been doing we have we have crazy amounts of reviews that are just fucking all over the place you know uh where we've been having fun just kind of diving into the streaming services because they're so amazing yeah for sure i've been on a personal mission to wipe out my netflix queue of movies and i'm doing a pretty good job so far yeah uh how many would you say you have left roughly 40 50 movies okay all right Check there, were about, there were about like 60, 70 in there. So I'm yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You've done yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, uh, if I'm going in order, which I usually am, uh, that would be the Bukowski, the Bukowski sisters, cloud Atlas. It's yeah, okay. That's, it's okay. that's what I heard okay. from pretty much everybody. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I, I like some aspects of it. I'm intimidated by the three hour runtime. So I'll probably yes. be watching it in installments. Yes, that's definitely an issue I have with a lot of movies that have that ambition but don't quite match it, you know, with their actual content. So there are a few things I hate more than a three-hour movie that I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tremendous waste of time. <laughs> I can watch uh, two regular-sized movies. <laughs> and, <laughs> ugh. Goddamn. Yeah, you can watch two like surefire comedies or two surefire horror movies inside that time. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows, you know, maybe it'll be great. We'll see. Um one thing I wanted to point out about Wings is that it was the most expensive film ever made at the time. Yeah, that's right. Its budget was like two million or something. Yeah. Roughly a modern equivalent of twenty-eight million dollars. But in nineteen twenty-seven $2 million was a lot of money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Ended up grossing about $3.6 million. So, you know, reasonable. Uh, it made its money back. But uh, when it came out, you know, well, actually, no. Everything was fine in 1927. It wasn't until 1929 where things went tits up. So, That's right. That's right. <laughs> Roaring 20s. And uh, it was um, – the uh, United States Army Air Corps were heavily involved in the production because obviously, you know, this film could kind of be misconstrued as propaganda. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, at the time, you know, sure, why not? <laughs> um, it's one of the first films to show two men kissing and also one of the first films to show nudity. So that's pretty damn progressive. This was before the Hayes Code, you know, uh, made Hollywood like the, you know, core of the temperance movement for a long time. And uh, so they could pretty much do whatever they wanted. Nobody was calling them on anything. Yeah, exactly. It was before they had to make those stupid rules. Yeah. 
And honestly, it's so quick that it doesn't really mean anything. Like it's not, you know, it's a, like you, you see boobs for like not even a second. But yeah. It's enough to be, to uh, have us be talking about it. Um, Wings was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry in 1997, five years after it was rediscovered in the um, in a, a film museum area. What was it? The Cinématique Française Film Archive in Paris. That was where they found a lost print of this movie in 1992. So five years later, it was put into the film registry to make sure that it would stay alive forever. That's Incredible. fantastic. Incredible. I love that. Can you imagine just like stumbling upon a film print of the first best picture winner and being like, I should probably save this. <laughs> oh God. I mean, that would be like me and you on, we'd be like fucking national treasure. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Wings has an IMDb score of 7.5 Rotten Tomatoes score of 93% certified fresh. And, uh, Let's talk about the plot. It's kind of brief because this is a silent film, so plot is not, you know, huge here. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll do what we can, you know. Sorry if you uh, wanted to hear more about the plot, but <laughs> there's only so much here. 24 minutes, and it's mostly aerial battles. I'm not going to lie. Yes. So are we, using, are we using IMDb plot or Wikipedia? They are the same one, so I'm just going to do Wikipedia. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, we got the pictures there on the Wikipedia one, so. So. Nice. Our heroes are Jack Powell and David Armstrong. Rivals in the small American town. Jack kind of comes from middle class upbringing. Dave comes from money. And they're both after the same woman, Sylvia, who is inexplicably amazing. <laughs> She's actually kind of a horrible person for the way she misleads Jack without ever just being honest about him. True, yes. Uh, Jack doesn't realize that the girl next door, Mary Preston is very much in love with him. I mean, she couldn't be clearer about it. She is enamored. She's got it bad. And that's uh, Clara bow who was like the big star at the time. She was the one that this film was kind of used as a vehicle for. And um, she's great in this. Um, she's very, uh, I mean, yeah, she's kind of just there as the love interest, but she also does a lot. And I like that. Oh yeah, no, she's she's an extreme presence. Uh, the two men, they enlist to become combat pilots after um, Jack fixes this old car, and him and Mary call it the Shooting Star because it's a super fast car, and that name kind of sticks with Jack throughout the army. And uh, they enlist to become combat pilots. When they leave for training camp, Jack mistakenly believes that Sylvia loves him, but she loves David, lets him know about her feelings, but she's too kind-hearted to, tur to turn down Jack's affection. I don't think that's the case. I think she likes having two men fight over her. Yeah, yeah, that, the, I could edit that real quick because that doesn't seem to be the case to me either. The kind thing would have been to spare his feelings and not let him enter war fighting for the wrong woman. I mean, holy shit. That's messed up. So Jack and David are uh, become bunk mates, and uh, during boot they have a fist fight where they kind of bond. Where they're like, "You're not so bad. You're you're not so bad," and they become very good friends. <laughs> I was not Classic. expecting that. <laughs> Classic. I love it though. Yeah, it's just like, oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just we're just dudes. Yeah, it'll be fine. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, they don't. They, I, I read the body language. Yeah, makes sense. It's fun. And uh, David, before he left, uh, took a little stuffed bear that he had as a as a kid to kind of remember better days. And he holds on to that with uh, great emotion. Uh, there's this one guy, this guy with a German name who enlists, and every time they kind of call him out, like, "What you're." You're a German. Why would you be here? And he's like, oh, I'll show you. And he starts taking off his jacket. And they're like, oh, you want to fight? And he keeps getting decked. But he just wants to show off his American flag tattoo on his, up, on his inner arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That was great. And then, the, like, I love the one uh, soldier just decks him and then sees the tattoo and is like, you know what? You're all right. And, like, helps him up and, like, puts his arm around him. Like, yeah. You're, you're all right. You're all right. <laughs> and this is World War One. Because in 1927, World War II had not yet happened. <laughs> oh, so much, so much hadn't happened yet. It, uh, boy, it's it's honestly too vast to even. I mean, just World War II not happening yet is such a mind fuck thing to think about. This movie predates World War II, the Great Depression, and the stock market crash of 1929. <laughs> that is yeah. that, that is amazing. Yeah, let yeah, let alone just the stuff that's happened this century. Jesus. Yeah. Um, in 2027, it will be the uh, 100th anniversary of this film. Yes, and we will hopefully still be doing this podcast at that time, and we'll do another episode on this movie. Yeah. Where are we now? Revisit it, because yeah, <laughs> I plan on owning that one forever. Yes, indeed. Uh. After Boot, Jack and David get, uh, they become bunkmates and they meet their other bunkmate, Cadet White, played by a young Gary Cooper. <laughs> Two time Academy Award winner Gary Cooper appeared in this movie in a brief cameo. Ha! <laughs> that is amazing. He won his Oscars for Sergeant York and High Noon, two films that will appear on this show eventually. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and he's, yeah, Gary Cooper's a badass. And they, like, he is in this film for all of two minutes before he gets gunned down in an air crash. So, fantastic. He's kind of there to prove to Jack and David just how serious this is. This is war. You know, people die. And uh, they're undaunted. They go through training. They become best friends. And they are shipped off to France to fight the Germans. And uh, through that, you, Jack becomes a very talented pilot. He becomes known as the shooting star, just like he, his car. And word of his legend kind of spreads throughout the army. And uh, the, the aerial scenes are pretty fantastic. They're filmed on location. And um, that's dangerous as hell in 1927, where there were no you know, safety regulations. It was just whatever you could get away with on camera. And... Yeah, we have this incredible feat of human imagination to, build, to to make this as realistic as possible. They could have gotten away with just, you know, airplane toy airplanes on strings filmed, you know, from far away. But nope, they flew actual aircraft. Well, yeah, to, to, to be quite frank with you, I, I don't think I would have chosen this movie or I don't think I would ask you to watch it or recommend it if it was that. It it's because it does that thing where you immediately say, holy shit, this is ahead of its time. Yeah. Where we love saying this about films, right? You know, on, on film, guys, and that's certainly been the case with 
some heavy hitters like you know when we do when we did um you know alien you know you you're, you say that a lot you can say that over and over again because it's fucking true and it's true here uh with wings because because of that fact that they're not using models or you know it's not obvious that there's like a string attached <laughs> to anything <laughs> it, it it looks spectacular because it is yeah straight up mary meanwhile uh joins the war effort becomes an ambulance driver and uh, she finds out about Jack's reputation as the shooting star when somebody tells her, she's like, oh my God, that's Jack. And she uh, encounters him while on leave in Paris, but he is way too drunk to recognize her. He's hanging with some other girl and he's looking at bubbles and he's just, you know, zonked out of his mind on champagne. And um, they tell him like, leave is over. We're going to war. And he's like, no, no, no. Bubbles. Just bubbles. That's all I care about right now is bubbles. And she's like, don't you recognize me? And he's like, all I recognize is bubbles. And she takes him, uh, well, first she goes to another room and is like, the man I love doesn't love me. And this, this woman's like, tell me about it, girl. <laughs> Paris. <laughs> and, um, he, this one, this girl just tells Mary, well, you got to look sexier. So put on a, put on a dress. <laughs> okay. This is, this, this dates the film pretty bad. <laughs> The, the, oh, certainly, certainly. And, 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 you know, mind you, you know, anyone who's listening that has not seen the film, you know, this is a silent film where you're constantly having these, you know, the, the cards come up and tell you what's going on and, and speaking for you. So it, 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 there's moments where I wanted to, I was like, man, I wish I was watching this with Connor because I'm just laughing at, <laughs> at this chaos. Well, silent film also is known for uh, the actors would overact the film to death. Yes. They would just yes. facial expressions and like movements would be so exaggerated because it's all they had. And I yeah. think this film is really uh, subtle in the performances. And I was very surprised at that because I was expecting, you know, you know, kind of loud with the body performances. But no, I think like a lot of this is just, you know, subtle eye movement and yeah, eyes, yeah. body language. And just, it, it really sold the, the performances. And I, I was yeah, I just was not expecting that from a film before sound. Um, Mary puts on the dress, somehow gets a hold of Jack and takes him into a bedroom that's in this club. And um, she uh, puts him on the bed and then starts taking off the dress to put her uniform back on. And two soldiers walk in on her, thinking that they just boned. And he gets no reprimand at all, but she gets kicked out of the army. Holy shit. Harsh. Like they're like, they straight up say like, wow, that's like, you can't do that. That's the end of your military career. And she does. She gets sent home. Yeah. Setting up nice double standards there. Uh, yeah, that's good. And they didn't even do anything. She was just changing. Yeah, I know. It's so fucked. Horrible. And uh, Jack reads about this in the, uh, the paper finds out, you know, she resigned and, some assholes like you know that doesn't always mean voluntary it could mean she was fired because he doesn't remember that incident in the, at all he was drunk off his ass yeah and uh then we have an epic battle where david is shot down and presumed dead after he gave he he told jack like something about today i feel like i'm not gonna make it so yeah you take my effects and give them back to my family and jack's like it's not gonna happen you're gonna be fine but David is shot down behind enemy lines. And Jack takes this very personally, goes on a one-man 
tirade against the Germans, starts shooting down every German plane he can find. It's crazy. David, however, survived. And he is behind enemy lines in a tattered uniform, and he steals a German biplane. <laughs> that was amazing, where he just kind of decks the guy, gets in the plane, and takes off, and they're shooting at him. But nope. <laughs> awesome he, shit. Oh, yeah. He heads for the Allied lines. He's trying to signal, you know, hey, it's me, but this was before, you know, radar and radio and all they yep. have was a plane. They didn't even have covers. And uh, he's trying to signal, like, hey, I'm an American. All Jack sees is the German cross. And he goes in for it. He's doing this for David in his mind, too, and he guns down the plane. And it crashes, and they are behind uh, on the Allied lines. They drag David out of it. And um, Jack lands the plane. He's like, ah, I got it. See that? And they're like, you might want to go in there. <laughs> and he's like, why? And he goes in there and he sees his best friend, bullet riddled, laying there on a, on a table. And his, the way his face changed in that bit, I am amazed this guy was not up for an award. Yeah, yeah. His just look of, you know, pride to absolute horror. You could feel it, man. It was like you didn't need dialogue for that. It was, yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. And you would think, like you said, you would think that'd be enough to get the nom. I don't know. I guess you just had to be a Nazi. And um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, future Nazi. <laughs> and uh, Jack goes and sits down with David, and it's like, I didn't know. Oh my god, I didn't know. And David's like, Hey, it's not your fault. War is hell. Do not blame yourself. And that's, you know, easier said than done. David dies of his wounds. Jack is guilty as hell. He's never going to, you know, feel like this wasn't his fault. He's going to carry this with him for the rest of his life. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oof. So, yeah, David does forgive him, though. But can Jack forgive himself? The war ends. They all come home. Jack returns to a hero's welcome he uh he visits david's parents and that is a that is an emotional scene that that that's the scene that finally broke me is jack visiting david's parents because first off you see the parade outside and it zooms out to see david's parents are in mourning they have nothing to celebrate and jack goes in there and they know what happened and jack just goes in there hands his mom the bear and just sobs into her arms and he's like, you know, she says, I wanted to hate you, but I can't. This is very mature for, a, uh, for an early film. I'm, I'm surprised at how emotional this really was. I mean, it really sells, you know, you're with these characters for so long that you grow to like them. And it really set the tone. And I, I, <laughs> I do love it. I, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, the buildup, especially going from, you know, the beginnings, you know, got a nice pace to it and then you're you're up in the air for a long time and coming down to this is just uh it's absolutely devastating and and remind me reminded me especially when i hear the name jack it reminded me so much of the scene uh in brokeback mountain when heath ledger visits jack twist uh parents jake jillenhall's parents in that movie i i yeah scenes when uh, uh, you know a friend a man you know has to go talk to parents of another man, their friend that's, that's gone. That's just set up for, yeah, breathtaking, devastating scenes. 
It reminded me so much of the end of 1917 when George Mackay goes oh, to talk yeah. to Richard Madden about his brother. Oh, and yeah. That whole movie, like the scene, there's a scene where the, um, I think it was where uh, David's plane crashes into the house. That reminded yes. me so much of the scene in 1917 when the German plane yep. flies into the barn. <laughs> that movie was so influenced by this. You could feel it. Yeah, man. Yeah, ni- yeah. 1917 is a fantastic one. Another one we did on Filmgasm. Yeah, another one we'll probably bring over here. We only did like 25 minutes on it. Yeah, at some point we'll definitely bring it over here. Jack now kind of, you know, accepting that it was the war. He hasn't quite forgiven himself, but he's on his he's on the path. And he um he goes to see Mary, and admits that she's the one that he that he loves. And they kiss. And they see a shooting star. Aw. And everything's going to be okay. It's a good movie. It's, it's, uh, the plot is a little you know, short. That's the case with a lot of silent films. It's not dialogue heavy, obviously. So you kind of just have to piece it together. But uh, yeah, 8 out of 10 for sure. Yeah, I also give it an 8. The first time I watched it, I probably would have given it a 7. I was a little more, uh, not, not confused by it, but just, yeah, I just didn't quite get on board totally in this time. It was just completely different. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, you know, keep this movie forever and rewatch it and tell people about it and let people borrow it. It's awesome. It is. I couldn't believe that you had it. Like I just assumed this film was like unattainable and then you just have it on DVD. That was great. To be honest with you, when we first, you and I first started kind of coming with coming up with this idea, that's one of the first movies I thought of was, well, we should do Wings. I own the first ever movie. Like, I want a way to fucking <laughs> boast about that shit. <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's one, it's yeah, it's one of my favorite movies that I own because of that. And uh, yeah, I intend on trying to find more, you know, twenties and thirties movies to for myself and to 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 do for the show uh you know it happened one night was a lot of fun we did from the 30s and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a blast with that decade uh the 20s is really short so we're gonna most likely when we're kind of done with the 20s movies that we can like uh that we can get i i think we're gonna mostly use that window for like foreign stuff or you know random things uh so so don't be expecting that every time, you know, a 20s movie, because there's just not enough. Yeah, we don't get the whole decade. We get 27 to 29. Exactly. Because that's when it started, so. Yeah. <laughs> we only have really the one award show. <laughs> well, yeah, only one award show actually happened in the 20s, which is this one, and then, yeah, the second one's in 1930. So, yeah, uh, but as far as films, yeah, we can find a few more uh, that we'll we'll definitely do for episodes, but. Yeah, it'll move to a uh, kind of a wild card, uh, you know, week. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. All you know, just gives us an opportunity to talk about more films. Yeah, I, I think introducing, you know, we're going to be introducing foreign um, sooner than later on the show, and I, I'm just wicked excited to do that because that's the area that I feel has been neglected more than anything. Um, I, you know, there's that category, of course, yeah, that's been around, you know, for, for foreign language films, but I, for it to take this long, you know, um, for a film to win, I, I just think I find that hard to believe that, <laughs> that Parasite's the only movie that kind of deserves that clout for the past, you know, 
however yeah. many years in, in history of movies. So we're definitely going to shed a light on some foreign stuff. Well, and also, and I hate that this is the fact, but a lot of Americans have not embraced foreign film or even really checked it out. I know I have only seen a handful and uh, most of those are horror films, admittedly. But yeah, I, I think this will be a great opportunity to finally, you know, really embrace and check out a lot of foreign movies that I otherwise would have either not found or just not bothered to check out. Yeah, man, you know, yeah, we definitely, like, I, the last movie I watched was a, you know, I watched um, that Nicky Cage, Laura Dern, Wild at Heart, but I watched um, uh, Jean-Luc Godard film. That was the last movie I watched. And, like, fuck, man, I just, you know, have to credit the first foreign movies I saw to kind of opening me up to checking out all kinds of things. And, and now, like, you know, I've, in 2020, I've watched a lot of French stuff and, tried to seek out random shit and different directors that that you know are regarded as you know really good in europe and, and all over the place and it's just it's so vast and when you uh, i've said this before on this show but when you uh learn a little bit you realize how much more you have to learn and that's definitely been the case this year for me as a movie fan i'm just fucking eating it up but i'm realizing how much more i have to learn and it's it's a great feeling honestly i love it because it's a journey that never ends yeah, there's always going to be something else to watch. I love that. Oh, always, and, and not just something like the <laughs> everything. But you know, everything. There's, there's, you know, so many movies uh, within, really within such a. I don't want to say short time span, but but in the big scheme of things, a short time span. You know, and a lot of shit has been put out. So it's 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 uber fun, and obviously, it's what we love to do here uh, at Film Guys and Productions. Yes, indeed. And I think that's a good segue into checking out what happened this week in film. Yes, sir. Quite a lot. So, regrettably, Antonio Banderas has announced that he has COVID-19. That's unfortunate. I hope he has a speedy recovery. Yeah, sucks. You know, you just hear more and more people that are, like, around you and stuff that get it and get tested, get through it. And you're just like, man, you know, just keep trekking. Everybody stay safe out there and stay inside as much as you can. Yes, don't risk it. Whatever you want, your haircut, your tacos, it's not worth your life. Yeah, get them to go. Uh, next up, there is a third Tron movie in the works with Jared Leto set to star. Um, it's not going to be a sequel to Tron Legacy, but a complete reboot. So, more Tron on the way. <laughs> Yay! More Jared Leto, yay! <laughs> I've not seen the original Tron. I did see Tron Legacy, so naturally I was pretty lost. <laughs> and, um, yeah no kidding it Jeez. looks amazing but it was a it was a pretty weak movie yeah yeah and you know in this day uh you know in the past decades or so it's 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 definitely you know you can look impressive a lot of movies look impressive you you really got to nail your story down uh because yeah i mean transformers looks cool but come on i think jared leto has had some trouble uh after Suicide Squad, uh, getting back to a leading man status. So yep, we'll see how this works out. <laughs> Next up, um, actor and singer Trini Lopez has died at age 83 from complications due to COVID-19. Um, his big break was he starred in Dirty Dozen as Pedro Jimenez, one of the, well, Dirty Dozen. And uh, that's a badass movie, by the way. For those of you who haven't seen it, 1967, World War II action flick awesome flick 
<laughs> yeah, dude. You, you know, you, uh, you talk about like, they don't make them like that anymore. That's, that's, that's what those people are talking about is movies like that. That's a gritty ass movie. Yeah, for sure. That movie, uh, definitely inspired, like, you know, was, you know, partially, in, uh, inspired Inglorious Bastards and yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole third act is almost identical, really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and yeah, I definitely just look at it as one of the, you know, templates. Cause like you, we talked about mentioned the Hayes code earlier, you know, it's right there and you know, it's just kind of breaking barriers. It's awesome. Yeah. So rest in peace, Trini Lopez kicked ass in that movie. Yes, indeed. Uh, next up, this was kind of neat. Um, Blumhouse has announced a project they're doing with Amazon called Welcome to the Blumhouse, where they're doing a series of eight interconnected horror movies that are going to be released on Amazon intermittently. So they're starting with four uh, now and then four in the later half of 2020. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm in. Cool, cool. Loving Blumhouse right now. They're my favorite horror distributor because they just they know where to put their money. And yeah, can't wait for that. That's going to be creepy. Yeah, that's very exciting. I mean, just content. Yeah, for sure. Eight new Blumhouse movies. That's going to yeah, be awesome. Yeah, we're in. Uh, actress Linda Manns has died at age 58 from a combination of pneumonia and lung cancer. Uh, she appeared in films such as Days of Heaven, The Game, and Out of the Blue. And uh, she died earlier today. Uh, rest in peace. Pneumonia and lung cancer together. That fucking sucks. Yeah, man. Jesus. Um, Jim Mickle, who directed Cold in July and In the Shadow of the Moon, has been tapped to direct a film adaptation of Stephen King's novel from a Buick 8. I have not read that one, so I don't know what that one's about. <laughs> so, Oof. Yeah, I'm excited, though. I see King. I'm Hell yeah. Mean, <laughs> of course, yeah, I mean, yeah, come on. Steve, Steve. Steve, you're killing it. Um, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. So the trailer for The War with Grandpa was released. Um, a family comedy starring Robert De Niro, Uma Thurman, Jane Seymour, and Christopher Walken. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to watch it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hollywood's bitches over here. Yeah, I, you know, uh, it's just funny. You know, these are the things that that I have a hard time <laughs> calling Bobby D like the greatest actor of all time. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we we talked about Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, you know, with uh, my left foot when we talked about Dead Poet Society from 1989 and how awesome he is and how he kind of just, his batting average is just really fucking high. Cause he's not as in, in as much, but when you see, <laughs> when you see, you know, like we yeah, one of the living legends, you know, uh, Robert De Niro. And it's just, it, it just, I don't know. It doesn't like sit totally right with me. How about you? I wanted to hate it. I wanted to think this is shit, but the trailer actually, it made me chuckle. And now I want to. Yeah. Yeah, I again. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. I'm, I'm gonna watch it. I, I I love these. I love these people. You know, as Honestly, performers. Like, I'm most excited to see De Niro and Walken together for the first time since the Deer Hunter. That's yeah. That, that's yeah. Ex- exactly. Those two guys are. Yeah, we 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 love both those guys here, and uh, uh, yeah, we're gonna watch it. I, I I'm just not. 
my expectations aren't too lofty. No, this movie has been in production hell for like six years, oddly enough. Uh-huh. Like it seems uh-huh. like such a simple concept. So yeah. who knows? It's probably going to suck really bad, but yeah, I'll give it a shot. I don't know why De Niro's decided to typecast himself as the like cranky grandpa for the past like eight years, but I'm sure he has his reasons and I'm pretty sure they're green. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Comedian Chris Delia has been replaced by comedian Tignataro in Zack Snyder's new zombie movie, Army of the Dead, following uh, consistent sexual harassment allegations against Delia. So he's out. <laughs> no more Chris Delia. What do you think? Are, 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 you, are, you, are we surprised? Are we, I mean, you know, it's, no. It's just, you know, yeah, especially, you know, Chris is a strange, strange cat anyway that all these comedians, you're just kind of like, well, we don't know. It's kind of 50, 50 with you guys. So yeah. Yeah. It's just goddamn shame. You know, I never liked the guy anyway. I never thought he was funny. He was got, he always struck me as kind of a like frat bro douche. So I'm, I just, I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I've definitely, I like some of the, some of, some of his standup I've enjoyed. Yeah. Most of it's pretty physical, you know, doing weird stuff with his body that I'm not totally into. Um, I would say, yeah, you know, like he's on workaholics. And so he was like kind of in that. Yeah. He was kind of in that thing. So I just, I just remember him being around, but yeah, I've never been a big fan or anything. Yeah. And also Zack Snyder's apparently doing a zombie movie. So let's see, you know, looking forward to some unnecessary slow-mo in that movie. Yeah. More Snyder. I recently watched Sucker Punch, and I have nothing but disdain for Zack Snyder now. I just I don't understand the fan worship he's somehow garnered over the past few years, and yeah, I just don't think he's a very good filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not going to get any arguments here. I liked Watchmen, and I liked Three Hundred, but I have not liked everything else. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Watchmen, and, and Three Hundred is okay to me. I, yeah, the rest. Granted, I haven't seen 300 in about 10 years. There you go. Yeah, I, I think on a rewatch, you won't like it as much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That's, that's a long time, man. You've seen so much stuff since then. I know. My tastes are constantly evolving. There's movies I yeah. hated back in the day that I've revisited recently and thought were great. So yeah. It's yeah. time. Because this guy, I don't get it. Why does everybody think he's going to like, you know, deliver the perfect cut of justice league like did they see batman versus superman and man of steel like did they were they there this guy is not your you know he's not your idol he's not the guy making the best no and those were all in his control so yeah i don't know i will never understand it because i really didn't like soccer punch (laughs) oh it's 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 yeah i i've seen it i couldn't tell you much about it i just forgot i watched it less than a week ago i couldn't tell you what the fuck it was about yeah yeah well (laughs) sorry to end on a somber hatred of Zack snyder note but what are we doing next week next week uh yeah hinted at how we're going to be back in the 90s obviously a decade that we adore and a lot of our favorite filmmakers kind of found themselves right yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of filmmakers that have made a ton of noise uh, this century at the Oscars. You know, you, you uh, guys like 
uh, Quentin Tarantino come to mind, you know, Spike Lee coming into his own after do the right thing. And, you know, even Wes Anderson and, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson. And, and then there's this guy that I, you know, think is right up there, a master of his craft. And that would be David Fincher, you know, who, who, who does a brilliant movie like seven, but here on Oscar Sunday, 1999's Fight Club garnered one Oscar nomination. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. 1999, a very fun year, a year that we've talked about before on Filmgasm. You know, something that pops out is uh, The Matrix, fucking legendary shit. And we love that year. So revisiting Fight Club is always a good time to be able to really talk about it and, and kind of break the walls down of the kind of false... Uh, like representation of the audience. You know what I mean? The fight yeah. club fan, the fight club fans that are just there that uh, are kind of frustrating. They're like the people who wear Nirvana shirts, but don't actually listen to the music. So we're going to try to set the record straight on how fight club really is this awesome movie and has a lot of cool stuff to say. And of course just has stellar performances, really cool editing, really cool music, uh, just a fucking fun ride. So I'm really excited for next week to revisit, uh, yeah, a classic for both of us. Awesome. Fight Club. That's going to be great. Uh, this week on Filmgasm, we are teaming with contributor Josh Allred to talk about the 1984 trauma cult classic, The Toxic Avenger. So tune in Wednesday for that. And uh, yeah, Wings was fantastic. Check it out. It's the first film to ever win Best Picture, and it, it really deserved it. It's a great film to kick off a hundred years worth of cinematic genius. So thank you for listening and we will see you next Sunday.